Hello everyone and welcome back to Talking Games with Kelly and Andrew. I'm Andrew. And I'm Kelly. It's 2022, people. Woo! We had a nice week off. It was actually a little more than that, but as far as you know, <laughs> it's just one week off. How do you feel, Kelly? You feel refreshed? Yes. I feel like a totally new person. The year has gone and passed me by and things have changed for me. I have a Squishmallow now <laughs> and I can't remember her name because they have names, but I can't remember her name, but she's very squishy. And I'm wearing blue light blocking glasses. And that's all the updates for 2022 for Kelly. Yeah, it's helpful because Kelly's glasses are uh, incredibly reflective. So her looking at her screen reflects all of our our information that we have for the show, which means I don't even need the information now. I just look at Kelly's glasses in the stream and, you know, I'm set. <laughs> I can read everything. But yes. she is also reflecting all of that blue light directly at me. I think that's how they work, right? Yeah, it's like a laser beam. Yeah, so I, I am getting extra blue light. That is my 2022 update. <laughs> Do they have like just blue light glasses? Um, no, but you could probably be the first person to invent them. Yeah, because all I want is those blue lights to just burn my retinas. <laughs> I want to be awake all night <laughs> because my circadian rhythms are off. Because of my blue light glasses, which are <laughs> the same name. That's the other thing. It's good. they're going to be called the same thing, blue light glasses. But right. if you read the fine print, it's actually just the blue light. The branding is very confusing. Yeah, but that's how I'll make most of my money. <laughs> it's confusing people. <laughs> yeah. It's not a scam. They should have just read the fine print on the back of their blue light glasses block. Bo bo right. Box. Box. Right. Thank Definitely, you. yeah, not a scam. They People just, consumers just need to pay more attention. I'm always saying this. Yeah. Except for you consumers of Talking Games with Kelly and Andrew. You pay um, all the attention already. We know it. <laughs> We really appreciate your blind obedience. <laughs> and they're blind because of all the blue light that you reflect at them. <laughs> yes. Um, how much would you play, pay for uh, just blue light glasses? A billion dollars. Mm. I'd pay 10 cents. Oh. We talk oh. about the next company so much that I, I'm starting to think, I think I made that joke once. I'm... <laughs> I think you did too. Should should I retry or do no, we just I okay? Think... Oh, oh, I'm committed no. to it. Okay, <laughs> you know what? I'm just gonna. You're in the pool. You can't just like un unwet yourself. You know what? What? <laughs> like you, like you've already jumped in the pool, so you can't dry. Like you can't. <laughs> what? Are there like any Are there any turtles in the pool? No, but there's a turtle rock. <laughs> in the pool or just there just is one? Um, there just is one. All this to say, <laughs> um, our first piece of news for 2022, uh, Tencent has acquired uh, Turtle Rock Studios, developers of games such as Left 4 Dead, Back 4 Blood, <laughs> Um, and Tencent, you know, giant conglomerate 
Genshin Impact. You know the deal. We've talked about Tencent quite a bit, but the details are as follows. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. We're really starting 2022 off to a good start. <laughs> um, there's not actually that many details. Turtle Rock is still going to like function as Turtle Rock. It's not going to be like a new studio or anything like that, but they're owned by Tencent now. And um, especially with their new game, Back for Blood, uh, apparently will not be affected by this in any way, shape, or form. Um, I don't know. That's the thing with all these Tencent acquisitions, though, over the past like year, because we've reported on Tencent acquisitions of companies, I swear, like every other week since we started the show. You know, the, the line is just, this will not affect anything. This will not affect anything. And at a certain point, it's like, it has to. Why else would you do this? Like, you clearly have an agenda. And I'm assuming it's to monetize all these games in a kind of similar fashion, but we just haven't seen that effect yet. And it kind of scares me, especially for games like this that are like, or for studios like this that create live service games. It could really be a dangerous precedent if these games turn into turn into the products that Tencent is known for making, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I can't say I have a, a horse in this race because uh, I don't really care about Back 4 Blood. It does not interest me. But I do think you're right. It is a little bit alarming for the future of a lot of other games, what that means for them, like, quality-wise. Yeah. And, and like... I don't know. It, the acquisitions seem to get a, be getting more and more notable. Like Turtle Rock is really up there, I think. Yeah. And it just it's going to get to a point where some studios that are really important start getting acquired. Although I feel like you and I tend to fall more onto the single player side of gaming and it doesn't seem like Tencent really cares about that. Yeah. Um yeah, they have not stuck their little fingies in it yet. However, they have convinced Remedy, single-player developer, to stick their little fingies in it. Because I don't... No, I'm, I take that one back. Uh, Tencent <laughs> is working with Remedy to develop a new multiplayer game. Uh, I don't know about you, Kelly, but I saw this news and had a uh, a conniption of sorts. Uh, I almost yeah. passed on because I thought it was saying that Tencent acquired Remedy, which would be not good that one would be enormously disappointing but they are working with remedy on a new multiplayer game details are pretty scant at this point but um it's weird that they're doing this i wouldn't have imagined remedy making a multiplayer game to begin with and working with tencent just seems really strange to me yeah it's it's very random like of all the like big people that you could work with you choose 10 cent doesn't really make sense to me i mean i guess it's all about the money the moolah and yeah. you can probably see how much money 10 cent brings in but still just a little bit weird like what multiplayer game could you be making because i don't know i'm assuming it'll be new ip because none of their ips really seem transferable to multiplayer yeah you're saying you don't want uh alan wake control uh battle royale game i want that more than i can describe 
<laughs> and I hope that Tencent makes it just like Genshin Impact and puts anime girls in it too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Me too, yeah. Alan Wake just chilling with a kawaii girl. Hatsune Miku Hats oh. and Alan Wake in a battle royale. Just them. Those are your only two character options. Yeah, everybody else can take a hike. Yeah, they can take two. Oh. Oh. Take two has acquired Zynga. Bazinga. Just kidding. <laughs> it's just Zynga. Um, <laughs> makers of, you know, Farmville. <gasps> You're uh, my favorite game. Big, big, big mobile game developer. Um, take two acquired them for 12.7 billion with a B, a capital B dollar, doll hairs. Um, spit take. I'm not actually going to spit my drink out because it would make my computer sticky, but. That is take. a lot, a lot, a lot of money for us, for a, for a developer. The most ever actually. Oh my gosh. Because it right. surpasses the previous record, which was Zenimax's acquisition by Microsoft, which was eight something billion dollars. Yeah. that And that one, I mean, that one was big, but this. Farmville, forget about it. Forget about it. It's just incredible to me that, like, that's a lot of money. This feels... The biggest thing to me is that this feels a few years late. You know? Because I feel like the properties that Take-Two has, you know, Grand Theft Auto and stuff... Translating that to a mobile game makes a lot of sense and will make a lot of money. But if they did that like three or four years ago, it would have made astronomical sums of money. You know? Yeah. This almost feels like a little like they missed the boat on this one. Yeah, it feels like somebody got scammed. But I think they would disagree because they spent $12.7 billion. So they really think it's worth it. Yeah. And I guess not... they have, like, Zynga has a bunch of game properties that are bringing in huge sums of money every single year. And Take-Two now just gets those profit streams. So in that sense, I guess it's probably like kind of a safety net because they get those profit streams guaranteed. And then if they utilize all these mobile developers to make their properties into money machines as well. Like, if they just put Grand Theft Auto Online on mobile... That's it. That's like that's all the money in the world. That's they would just get all of it. Yeah. So this is uh you know, I feel like one of the biggest stories of 2021 was X acquires X, like, you know, or X acquires Y, I should say. It's just every week we had a different company buying a different company, Microsoft buying this, PlayStation buying that, Tencent buying everything else. And now it is very evident that that is not going to stop in 2022. It wasn't a fluke that it happened last year. It's going to probably happen until every studio has been bought up. Yeah. It's it, just a big, like, it's just like a big creature, just like, nom, 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 <laughs> like a big cookie monster. Yeah. Independence. Except not as lovable as Cookie Monster. 
no. Independence be darned. It's just going to be five giant conglomerates in a few years. <laughs> kind of like every other media empire. Movies. Yeah, movies like, especially. I feel like this exact thing happened like, what, halfway through last decade? When Disney bought Marvel, it was all over. When was that? Like 2013 or something? Mm, I think it was 14. Yeah. And then it was just everything else got bought within a few years after that. Yeah. And like, I feel like that happens less these days because there's nothing left to buy. <laughs> right. It's all been done. But most game studios, third party game studios are still unowned. They're just their own things that work with different companies. So. Yeah, they're not very fungible. Nice transition. Square Enix president, he sent out a letter on the first of the year to let uh, stakeholders know about uh, the future of the company. And he stated that they have grand plans to start integrating NFTs into their games. Um, which, you know, I, I would say that's probably a great thing. Would you agree? Yeah. Uh, I just want to read one quote from him to give you an idea of what of how I feel about this one. Uh, quote, I realize that some people who, quote, play to have fun, quote, <laughs> and who currently form the majority of players have voiced their reservations toward these new trends and understandably so. I don't need to read more. Why are you? That should be the entirety of the article. I don't play for fun. Okay. I play to win. I play for. I play to win Moogles. I play to win money. I play to to make a name for myself. Okay. If you think I play video games for fun, <laughs> you got another thing coming, buddy. I just need tokens that aren't fungible. I don't want to funge. They <laughs> cannot be fungible. Don't you understand? Please, no funging in my games. <laughs> this funge a verb. You cannot own this. <laughs> Only I do. Do not funge me. <laughs> I am. This is another trend that, that went real hard in the last chunk oh. of last year. And we talked about it a little bit with like the Stalker 2 stuff, especially, which it should be noted the creators of Soccer 2 stepped back on theirs, their statement and said that NFTs will no longer be a part of the game. But like, you know, that was a little bit too little too late. I was kind of, lo I lost faith when they announced that because they were so, you know, unaware of what consumers wanted that I don't want to play their game anymore. But yeah, <laughs> I'm hoping the backlash is so severe to other companies that this is like a very open and shut story over the next couple months that we talk about a couple other companies using nfts and then it ends yeah but there's also a chance I'm, that it won't end i mean i'm so sick of hearing about these things it's like i there's only so much stupid i can take in my brain before it starts to turn into goo and i think i'm at the goo threshold <laughs> um i think my biggest well we don't have to get into it but it's like do it. It's get just, into it. it's, well, it's just an opportunity. It's like, we get it. Companies are designed to make money, and that's what video games are designed to do. But it's also like, it's so shameless and like so gross to be so open about it. 
um, because literally that's the entire point of like blockchain and like NFT and like crypto stuff in video games. It's literally just to make money. And it's like it's doing it in a way that is so fundamentally bad for the environment and in a way that people just don't really care about except for a very select group of people. Um, but the, but your, but your regular audience probably isn't going to care. Um, so it's, it's a very just, I don't know. It's a very clear attempt to just be like, mm, money, 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 you know, Mr. Yeah. Krabs behavior, but Square Enix president, Mr. Krabs, Mr. Krabs, president of Square Enix. Um, of course, Square Enix isn't the only company that has decided that NFTs are fun and cool and good for video games. I wonder who you could talk about. It must be a great company that you're about to mention. It's it's our favorite, your favorite, Konami. <laughs> uh, so the 35th anniversary of Castle of the Castlevania franchise um, has has came upon us, and they did something really really cool. Um, they released a new. Oh wait, no, they didn't do that. Um, they said, we are going to do uh, NFT. We're going to do a special sale of NFTs um, for Castlevania's 35th anniversary. That's 35 years of Castlevania. And we get a really cool, fun gift of paying fake money for screenshots from old Castlevania games. Uh, woo! Non-fungible. More like not fun. Oh, that was really good. Thanks. Um, yeah, Konami is selling NFTs, quote unquote, uh, for the 35th anniversary. These, <laughs> uh, the the fungible token, the non fungible tokens in question, are literally screenshots um, of of old Castlevania games, but not like it's not even. They're like not even. It's not like unique it's, developer screenshots that you couldn't nope. get otherwise. Nope. You could go, you could actually you could go on the website that posted this story and you could right click and save the screenshots. <sighs> and then you own it. Uh and it's very fungible. But if you pay money, you can have it and it's not fungible. And I think that's how a good economy should work. Totally, that you could just write. I just love when I go to the <laughs> bank and I right click and take money out without consequence. <laughs> I say, uh, this is good and legal, actually. And yes. I'm not laundering any money, okay? This is all <laughs> real. Nothing's being laundered, okay? Except for my socks at the laundromat. You burned Castlevania or Konami with that one. They got whatever burned. I am so over this NFT thing. It's not even funny. Like I said, I'm at the goo threshold, okay? This one My feels particularly mush. painful because, like, I already get upset about Konami just leaving these franchises dormant, these brilliant, like, history-full, beautiful franchises are just dead in the water. And instead of bringing them back for an anniversary as an exciting revival and something to look forward to and a new artistic expression of the game. It's just money grabbing, more money grabbing. And I think Konami is stinky. Me too. P-U. P-U. P-freaking-U. Hey, Kelly. <laughs> yeah? So we're talking about something very, something that everybody likes and very popular. 
and w- and we know somebody who loves these things. Uh, they they love NFTs. Uh yeah yeah yeah. And and I, I don't know for sure, but I think they have a large wallet of crypto. <laughs> um, yeah yeah yeah. They they really like their non fungible content. They are a non fungible person. Yeah yeah yeah. Yeah, and they're like they're on the forefront of the whole metaverse thing. <laughs> and and thank God. <laughs> Their birthday is upon us. Would you like to w- wish uh, happy birthday to this person who loves non fungible tokens and crypto and the metaverse and and Mark Zuckerberg? <laughs> yeah, this is my my most sincerest of happiest of birthdays to Cameron. If you're listening, um, I hope you find the perfect non fungible token for yourself. <laughs> um, I know how much you love that stuff, <laughs> and um, I hope you have a good birthday and. Um, if you wish to physically fight me, uh, we can arrange that. Yeah. Um, but it wouldn't be fungible, just to be clear. No, fungible, no. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you can, I can, I, you cannot reach, you, that is a token. It's not fungible. I'm giving it to you. Any opportunity to physically fight me, uh, I am down. Um, I've got my fisticuffs always ready. Uh, happy birthday. Happy birthday, Cameron. I don't know how NFTs work exactly, but I'm declaring this episode not fungible and all yours. Congrats. This is your <laughs> NFT. Woo! Congratulations on the NFT. <laughs> you didn't even have to spend any money on it. Right. We did just lose one listener, though. Whom? Cameron. Oh, <laughs> he, that, he said, that was... I don't like <laughs> I don't like this anymore. Yeah. I'm being targeted on my birthday. For those listening who do not know us personally, I highly recommend against being our friend. <laughs> <laughs> I would say <laughs> Okay, yeah. True. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on with the actual video game news, Sony has confirmed some details, including the name of the PlayStation VR successor. You'll never guess this name. It's called PSVR 2. <gasps> they also announced a Horizon spinoff called Call of the Mountain. Call of the Mountain? I don't know why that word was difficult. <laughs> um, you know, they just released some tech specs. They confirmed that it would be OLED, that it would have a really high resolution inside the eyes. The one thing that did disappoint me that was confirmed was that you have to use a wire and I do understand that that allows for easier transmission of very high quality games than using like Bluetooth or wireless or something but also I don't like wires and Oculus Quest has really spoiled me with its wireless VR capabilities and I feel like a wire is really going to bring this one down for me but it also you know it has a lot of really high quality things like it, it seems like a really top-notch vr headset and it being able to use the ps5 speaks numbers for how good it's gonna look so we'll yes. see i mean it's supposed to come out this year i think it will i see it i see it with my third eye okay what's, it will be coming out this year what's the release date does your third eye tell you that July. What? That's not holiday. 17th. 
That's not even the Fourth of July to me. Fourth, that's like that's like holiday for Fourth of July. Come on, <laughs> like holiday could be November. Can we release a holiday episode on July seventeenth? <laughs> yeah, it'll be like Christmas in July. The seventeenth isn't even on Christmas. That's the twenty fifth. Right. You know what? I don't know. Tell me. I am offended. Well, have you considered not being a snowflake? Which uh, you'll see at the top of the mountain in Horizon, Call of the Mountain. Snowflakes, maybe. I don't actually know anything about it because we don't know anything about it besides some screenshots. Call of the Mountain? Yeah. <laughs> you don't like that title? It's bad. It's really bad. Call of the Mountain? Call of the Mountain. Let's unpack that. The mountain is calling to us. Yeah, it has a cell phone. It's one mountain. And we are being called there. Yeah. And that's the game. I I think game might be a generous term. <laughs> that's the experience. I don't know a lot. We don't know a lot about this game. But I have a strong feeling this will not be a normal game. And also, part of me is like, well, they can't release it this holiday. There's no games for it. And then I'm like, oh, wait, they released the PlayStation 5 with no games. I don't know why the VR headset would be any different. Yeah, I don't think they care that much, to be honest. I was interested in a PSVR too, but honestly, after hearing about this stuff, I'm like, if you're not going to offer me anything supremely more interesting than the Oculus Quest 2, I'm not going to drop money on this, you know? Like, yeah. yeah, the Oculus Quest 2 is less capable, but it's cheaper, it is not wired, and I already have one. Right. So I'm not going to, unless you have some really cool games, which Horizon Call of the Mountain is not good enough to buy a console for, I'm not, I'm not down. Also, I feel like I want to know more about it beyond yeah. these just tech specs that were probably a given anyway. Yeah, I would like to see it. That was weird to me that they showed all this stuff. They announced it. They said all these details. They named it. We've seen the controllers. We know a spinoff coming to it. But we haven't seen the thing. And that's the most important part, because it's on your face. Yeah. If you expect me to be stick... a helmet. <gasps> well, it, they also confirm there's no speakers in it, which I think is kind of bullcrap, because that means they you have to use headphones, which yeah. I don't like. I want like a full haptic bodysuit. <laughs> like if I if someone is is like if I'm in the ocean in the game, I want it to feel like I'm in the ocean in real life. We can arrange that. I could throw you in that same pool where the turtle rock is. <laughs> well, you can't unwet yourself. You know, I'm always saying that. I, I'm, I know you haven't always said that, because if you always <laughs> said that, we wouldn't be friends. <laughs> I would have jumped ship very early on. Wow. I didn't know my friendship meant that little to you. <laughs> You know what means little to me? What? <laughs> no matter what you say, it's going to sound mean now. I don't care about Ken Levine. Levine? Levine. Levine. Like He's like Adam. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so Ken Levine, you know him. He was, he was 2K when they did... Bioshock? Bioshock, Bioshock <laughs> Infinite. That's it, right? Um, yeah, he, he was made like System the director. Shock as well. 
Yes, yes, yes. System Shock. That was a big one. He was the director of those games. And um, he split off to do his own thing, to make his own studio. And uh, the game that they were working on has been in development for like eight years uh, because he's not a good manager. Um, I'll be the first to say it, folks. They say because of his rigid management style, he's just a bad manager. Um, period. Point blank. Uh, this whole article came out where people working under Ken Levine were like, yeah, he's kind of a, he kind of like doesn't like anybody's ideas. Um, and I think the thing that made me laugh about the article was they were saying they wanted to do Conception, <laughs> like Inception, where they like go into the dream and they plant the idea and they make, <laughs> make you think that it was your idea. They were like, we wish we could do that with him. I'm like, that is like the saddest thing I've ever heard. Yeah. Um, so that's why the next, well, not the next Bioshock game, but that's why the that um, game, quote unquote, has been in development for like eight years. If this... This shouldn't be surprising. You know, I feel like he seems like the type of auteur in gaming who needs a very rigid, for lack of a better word, manager above him to make sure that he doesn't just do whatever he wants, you know? Yeah, he's very, he seems very up his own about it. Like, everybody's like, oh, oh, Bioshock is the best, is such a great narrative it's the best game and like it's a great game and it's a great narrative but i think his head maybe got a little too big about that 100% and i've never like personally thought he was like this incredible guy i just thought he made a good game and yeah honestly like you, you know what he reminds me of is like kojima where i think kojima was able to flourish partially because konami had pretty strict requirements for his games and such so like he still got to be himself and be weird just like ken levine did with bioshock and bioshock infinite but right. the restraints allowed him to make a functional deliverable product as well and then even when he went quote-unquote independent it was on sony's dollar and i'm sure there was a lot of corporate pressure to make sure he still made a functional game and i don't think ken levine really has that pressure and also, he seems a little bit like a pretentious guy who only thinks his ideas are worth listening to, which this, you know, this article definitely agrees with that sentiment. Yeah. I don't... That's how I am with Andrew. Yeah. I, I he'll, he'll give me an idea and I'll be like, no! Yeah. I actually wanted us to record this show like on a, on top of a prairie on a prairie and kelly was like that's ridiculous andrew how would we get our microphones there and i said well kelly we'd carry them and she, and she you know she screamed she her rigid it, management did not allow for that it wasn't pretty folks and here we are now i'm recording in my closet <laughs> <laughs> oh that's a fun little update you gave your update about your squishmallow <laughs> at the beginning of the episode and I didn't even think to give a legitimate update yeah I uh, I record this show in a closet it is a large closet I am not smooshed in here I have a chair Um, but over our break I got soundproofing and I legitimately soundproofed the heck out of this room and I got a new microphone it has an arm 
so I might sound a little better. And also, it's not on the little table in front of me, so I don't have to hurt my back recording this ep the show anymore. So those are my updates. Those are good updates. Kelly does not like my new studio uh because uh, there's a lot less light now because all of the white walls are covered and there's no light bouncing. So I look like I'm recording in an actual cave now on camera. Yeah, it's a little bit spooky. So I need to acquire a ring light or something. Who's to say what'll happen? Who is to say? Not me. I'm going to give the right to say to my good old pal, my friend, my oldest friend in the world, shout out to Sonic. His birthday's in a couple days. He, uh... <laughs> it's kind of funny. He has the same birthday. As... No. Unless... Oh, wait. Oh, he... Do... Are they? Are they the same? Sonic's yes. very fast from what we know. <laughs> I've never seen the two of them in the same room. Oh, I think we just blew the lid on this story. All right. Well, I guess we thought we were friends with somebody named Cameron, but we're now aware that we're friends with Sonic the Hedgehog. Congrats on your new film, Cameron. Yeah. How was Idris Elba? Please. Can you give Idris Elba's phone number to Kelly? <laughs> Who said that? <laughs> that was Sonic, who's very fast and entered the room. And the, oh, I have, I have a Sonic plush right next to Aww. me. This is a very confusing tangent. I'm gonna get back on the story. Yeah, yeah. Sonic Frontiers, the new open Sonic game, is supposed to was supposed to come out in holiday of 2021, but was delayed a full year to increase quality. Um. This story, I think, is either fantastic or ridiculously arrogant because it's either fantastic because, like, wow, good for Sega for, like, actually delaying this game for a whole year. That's a huge deal to make sure the product is finished. Or it was never going to come out this year and they just want to make themselves feel better about it. And we will not know until it comes out because if it's broke a broken mess, this comment truly meant nothing. I hope that it's, if it's as true as it sounds, though, that's fantastic. That is probably what every Sonic game has needed for the past several entries in order for the oh. game to come out prom properly. Not Sonic 08. I think that game was shipped as intended. What? You mean Sonic and the Black Knight? So no. Are you talking about Sonic 06? Sonic 06. <laughs> I was like, I don't know what's, I think Sonic and the Black Knight came out in 2008. Sonic 06 was perfect in every way. That game probably would have been great if it had another year. I mean, it would have been weird. He still kisses a person. That's not that weird. I would kiss Sonic. No, I wouldn't. I would kiss Knuckles. Yeah. Knuckle <laughs> Are you talking about the voice actor or the person? Yeah. Would you kiss Idris Elba and or Matt Mercer? No. You wouldn't? Matt Mercer? The voice of Knuckles in the video game. When is he the voice of Knuckles? Oh, wait. Maybe it's Travis Willingham. <laughs> Who? I don't think it's either of them. It's one I've of them. been watching a lot of Critical Role. Yeah. Um, if anybody wants to have me on their D&D podcast, please do not hesitate to reach out. I am really, really bad at D&D. 
but I have two cute dice sets, um, and um, well, I'm not bad at it. I just um, I'm not good at it. <laughs> um, Andrew's research doing some research right now, so yeah, I'm just I would like to apologize. Silent. It's not Matt Mercer. But it is Travis I, Willingham, so it was my second guess. I knew it. I well, knew it. I said that man is never Willingham, voiced. Right? Huh? Didn't you also doubt my Travis Willingham, or were you still what? riding no, the rage no, of the Matt no. Mercer guess? Uh, I was. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was still angry. Uh, you know, yeah. I can rewind and check of what you said, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? <laughs> anyway, would you kiss Travis Willingham no, and no, no, or no, no, Idris Elba? No, 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 no. no, no. I think they're both happily married. But you would kiss Knuckles the Echidna. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He is, he is single as a Pringle baby. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm kidding, you guys. It's a joke. <laughs> it's not real. It's a joke, okay? It's not. I'm just joking. I'm very excited to see more Sonic Frontiers and see Kelly's reaction to the game. I, I'm excited to... Um, for Sonic to get a glider <laughs> and for him to jump off oh. tall things and glide to the ground. Breath of what? Breath of the Sonic. Breath of the Sonic. It probably smells like chili dogs. <gasps> Speaking of chili dogs. No. You don't like that transition? I don't think it's very good. <laughs> Why? The next story is so closely linked to chili dogs, Kelly. That's true. Um... So Amazon uh, Studios tweeted the a "Please Stand By" Fallout screenshot uh, to confirm that there is a Fallout TV series reportedly in the works. Um, <clears throat> I kind of feel like we knew about this, but maybe I'm wrong. I think there were rumors, familiar, but I think this is like all but confirmed to be happening now. Yes. Um, so. Uh, uh, it is supposed to be directed. Well, this <laughs> this is a little bit confusing. Um, the premiere of the series, which is supposed to begin production this year, is directed by Jonathan Nolan. Uh, and then, um, other showrunners, people that have worked that worked on Captain Marvel and like Silicon Valley. So people who have done things in the past. Um, I don't really, I don't really know about this, about all this. Uh, the information around this is way more convoluted and confusing than it needs to be. It is. There's a lot of like licensing issues. I think they should just be like Fallout TV series in the works at Amazon and just leave it at that. Yes. Because like the, I agree. there were like 50 names attached to this thing in every report. And I'm like, right. there can't be this many people like genuinely in charge of this thing. My thinking is with any video game adaptation other than The Witcher, um, I think it's fine for them to do it as long as they don't do the story of the video game because I feel like that sort of is lame and I don't like that. Yeah. Um, the Witcher isn't really... The Witcher's the book is based on the books, but Yeah, visual, visually based on games in a lot of ways, but right. But the story um, is unique. Right. So With live action, at least, I agree with you. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not very. Oppo I'm not opposed to this. Um, I think the world of Fallout is. It's very. It's. It's got a lot of potential for a lot of really cool stories. 
things that we have never seen in the games but exist in the lore, places we have never seen in the games but exist in the lore. Um, I think it could be successful. I, I think, honestly, um, I'm really looking forward to The Last of Us series, and I think that depending on how that will go, we'll sort of see the future of other video game adaptations. And I think the Fallout one could maybe... Um, I, I think that it could draw a lot of inspiration as they're both sort of post-apocalyptic worlds. Yeah, I, <clears throat> I think the success of Last of Us largely carries the torch of live-action video game adaptations where, like, if that series is bad, I think it may shoot future live-action ad live adaptations in the foot for a long time. Yeah, I agree with you. For sure, because it's it's so much money. It's an HBO series, so you know it's a lot of money. Yeah. So we'll see. We'll see. <gasps> Jinx. What else? You owe me what? A soda. No. All right. That's kind of messed up, but kind of breaking a promise, but it's so, fine. I mean, so, I don't. Yep. Huh? It's fine. No, go ahead. It's fine. Okay. Can I go now? Yeah, go ahead. Okay, okay. Um, Final Fantasy 16 saw development delayed by six months due to the pandemic. This was a statement from the developers that came in the past couple weeks. They said that we should expect the next big update on this game to be coming in spring. Uh, this isn't super surprising considering we have not seen a lick of this game since its September of 2020 announcement. Uh, I expected a very high chance of seeing this at the Game Awards, and its lack of presence made me uh, not weary, but kind of expect that this game might not be ready to go. Um, six months makes a lot of sense. That's not so bad, especially because we didn't know a release date, so it's not like they're delaying it from like March to September or something upsetting. They're simply saying, yeah, this game is took us six months longer than expected. I'm excited to see that new update. I'm not in a huge rush to play this game because I think it needs all the time in the oven that it... Like, it deserves all the time that it needs to be made. Yeah, I would agree. <clears throat> I'm sorry. I would agree. I feel like... And and in the grand scheme of things, spring 2022 is in, like, two months. Yeah. Not even. So I don't feel so bad about that. Especially if it's, like, they're being very open about it. Yeah. Which I appreciate. It's nice not to be left in the dark. Yeah. I think it's very obvious that the director of this game is the same director as the revival of Final Fantasy fourteen because the transparency that they're having with the audience feels very familiar to that game. And I think it's a very positive thing as a consumer to know the progress of these games and like what's going on for them. Right. Right. So speaking of Final Fantasy XIV, um, a little thing, a little expansion called Endwalker came out. Um, and it was so, so popular and so, so fun. And everybody loved it that they were like, uh, this game's not for sale anymore because <laughs> the servers were overwhelmed, which is really funny because I was literally about to get the game. I was about to download the game 
Um, and then it was gone the next day. So that was really funny for me because I had seen so many good things and I was like, oh, I really want to play it. I don't care if like wait, if, like queue times are really long. I just want to play it. I'm not really an MMO person, but I've heard so many good things. Um, and alas, it was gone from me. Yeah. Ripped from my grasp. Um, it was tragic. I wanted to make... Uh, what are they called? The, it's like in Final Fantasy twelve, the bunny, the bunny girl. I don't know the bunny girl. That's all I know. You can play as the bunny. You can play as the bunny people in Final Fantasy fourteen. I said that's always been my dream, uh, was to be a bunny person. Um, but that's everybody else's dream too, apparently, because they had they everybody had the same idea. They said we're gonna go play Endwalker, um, and now you can't unless you already have the game. So. That's unfortunate for me, but good for them, I guess. I think it is back now, but as far as I know, the queue times are still obscene, and this is still, like, even if they brought it back <laughs> since then, that's an insane, like, I've never even heard of such a thing. Is it back? Check Steam. I didn't try to download it, because I had it on PlayStation 5 a while ago, and then I didn't ever get around to playing it. Uh, I tried to open yeah, the Steam page and it won't load, so. It's still suspended. Oh, okay. It says, uh, just, yeah, it's still suspended. That's insane, because this story broke. Like before Christmas. Yeah, it broke, bef like since we've, rec we've released episodes since this. It was, it happened almost a full month ago now. We just haven't recorded in so long that this story has been in our our backlog of stories. So now it's been almost a full month without being able to get this game. Yeah. Which is, I mean, good for them. Like that's good for the developers, you know, it stinks if you wanted to get into the game right now, but it's really, really incredible that they were able to bring this game to the heights that it's at. Yeah. Especially considering where it started. In a pile of garbage. <laughs> Much like a saw. Yes. In the primordial soup. Of garbage. Of garbage. <laughs> Much like the primordial soup of garbage that is the Entertainment Software Association. <laughs> I don't like the ESA. <laughs> yeah, but I, I gathered. It has been confirmed that E3 will not have an in-person event in 2022 due to, as they say, concerns related to the Omicron variant of COVID. Um, I, as well as many other far more intelligent reporters, call bullcrap. Um, a lot of reporters have stated that they heard reports that they canceled their in-person reservations with the Los Angeles Convention Center months ago. And it really seems like E3 might it might be done because this didn't come with confirmation of any online dates or online events. It simply was canceling the in-person stuff. And it leaves me a little weary. Not a little. It leaves me supremely wary of the future of E3. And I really think last year's fun revival might have been the final, the final blip of the story that is E3. Yeah, it almost feels redundant at this point. 
it used to be this big exciting thing because there weren't really any other game shows. It used to be this big exciting thing at the beginning of the summer and like, oh, we're going to see all the games and and I feel like the past few years it's been a little bit disappointing. Well, the past year and then before the pandemic. Yeah. The year before the pandemic I thought was particularly bad. Yeah. I feel like, and to me, this might be crazy. Don't call me out. I feel like the last exciting E3 was 2015. No, that's, that's, that was the best one in a long time. So, because I'll never forget that one. It was June. They said they announced Fallout 4, they showed Fallout 4, and then they said, see you guys in October. And that was great. And I feel like everything after that has just been sort of downhill. I can't think of another game reveal that has excited me to that extent at E3. Other game shows for sure, but not at E3. I can, but they all happened that year. <laughs> well, not all. I should. The Final Fantasy VII remake was announced that year. <gasps> You're right. Along with Shenmue 3, which didn't turn out so good, but was still crazy. Right. And right. the revival of The Last Guardian, which, again, is a divisive game, but was a crazy announcement. Yes. I feel like at this point, Microsoft carries E3 so heavily that if Microsoft just did a show in like June or July, that's all that I need, you know? Yeah. And I'm sure Nintendo has a direct cooking up. Yeah. And Sony does their own thing now. They do their nothing. (laughs) (laughs) They do just, they just hang out and release one. Oh, do you guys want to see Horizon? Do you guys want to see Horizon again? (laughs) (laughs) Like, not really, no, but okay. Yeah. I'll take it, I guess. I don't, this, doesn't really surprise me. The only disappointment for me would be if this if last year was the last E3, part of me wishes that we knew that going in. Yeah, that would be sad. Because last year almost felt like a return to form because it was almost like a backlog of things had were ready to be announced. So if that was the last one, it was a good one to end on, but at the same time it's like I kinda wish we had like a eulogy at the end for this thing. Yeah. Yeah. And I also, <laughs> I can't see into the future. I thought you said um, that you could a minute ago in relation to, to Sonic, right? Or no, the PSVR. Did I? Did I? Yeah, I you lied. said like half an hour ago that you could see the future. I lied about that. That's ironic that you couldn't see the future to know that you would lie. <laughs> because I lied because I can't <laughs> see the future. All right, what um, were you saying? I can't see the future, but I do think it's interesting that they're saying this now, um, that they're sort of blaming this the the variant, um, because it's like we don't really know what it's going to look like in June. No, it's a because last year in June, you know, we were doing a lot better, uh, but we'll see. Who knows? It could be a lot worse. There could be a new variant. I'm speaking it into existence now. The Delta Omegatron variant. The Electronic Entertainment Expo variant. <laughs> Honestly, if they did have it in person, there would probably be some new variants cooking up over there. All those gamers in one building? Come on, man. No, thank you. <laughs> uh, yeah, this is not... I guess this is something we'll have to keep an eye on. We'll definitely hear developments in the next few months. And I think regardless of that, we're going to have a good summer of fun announcements Jeff Keighley was ma- was very much on the forefront of reminding us that Summer Games Fest is still happening right after E3 was maybe canceled. He's like, a- you guys, don't worry. I got I you. I got you. 
Don't worry, guys. I got seven announcements on par with Elden Ring. Yeah. Such as... I'll never trust him again. You will. You're going to be so excited the next time he has a show. <laughs> and I know because I will too. And that's the problem. <laughs> Jeff. Jeffrey. Kelly, I got a name for our next segment. What is it? <clears throat> Oops. Oops. We had a Game of the Year episode a couple weeks ago. Thought uh, it was a pretty good episode. I was pretty proud of it. Were you proud of it, Kelly? Yeah, 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 yeah. But, alas, we are flawed human beings who do not play every game, which is why we are flawed, because we don't play all the video games. Um, but we had a couple weeks off from the show, had some extra gaming time, and uh, played some games that we missed. So this is kind of like the end of every episode where we review or give impressions of games that we played. However, these are all specifically games released last year that we played now and we'll talk about in our first 2022 episode. Question for you, Kelly, before we begin. Yes? Does this at all change the results of your game of the year decision from the prior episodes? No. Okay. Does yours? Uh, the verdict? No. A lot of these games would have been contenders, though. Oh. So, I'll jump right in. I got a, a heckin' list for ya. First game that I finished over our break was something that I had started, Halo Infinite. Um, I had a very good time with this game. I think that the story was underwhelming it felt kind of incomplete and like no major story revelations or changes happened it was sort of a setup for the next game um which is f it's fine but the biggest issue is that i have zero confidence in another campaign coming out anytime soon so it feels sort of like an unfinished product in that sense but the gameplay was very nice the grapple hook mechanic really kept the campaign snappy and fun all the way through. I mostly ignored the open world elements because I tried them out a fair bit at the start and found them kind of unsatisfying. Uh, you don't get any major upgrades or things that change how the game plays. And for that reason, I was like, well, I just want to run through the game because I just want to have I have what I have already. I don't really need any more. And I don't really enjoy these open world elements. So I just rushed through the campaign. Not rushed, but I only played the campaign. And I think that helped my experience a bit. Uh, the other issue I had was that there's no real motivation to finish combat encounters. Unless you're like locked in a room until you finish a combat encounter. But that turned out to be a positive. Because I found one of the most fun elements of this game trying to escape and get around fights trying to get out of rooms with enemies as quickly as possible was really fun to me. And ultimately, I had a very good time. I think I may have appreciated this game more had I had more experience with the series because I thought Master Chief was pretty poorly characterized in this game, but I recognize that that's largely because I haven't seen him in the past, so I don't see the progression. I just see a guy who says, like, a couple boring lines, you know? And also... There was a lot of Marvel humor, which it's not really for me, you know. 
your main robotic companion weapon, as she's called. Just make she makes a lot of very Marvel-esque jokes, which is for some people, but sadly was not for me. Uh, but I do recommend this game highly. There was a lot of negatives, but the positives are kind of simple, and the negatives have a lot to be said about. But that shouldn't understate how positive the positives were. That the combat and movement mechanics are fantastic, and I highly recommend at least trying this campaign and seeing how you feel. Another game that I played, not to completion by any means, was Forza Horizon 5. I played this for the exclusive purposes of this podcast. I don't like racing games, so my opinion shouldn't really matter to you if you're interested in this game, but if you don't like racing games very much like me, this game doesn't really do anything to to change that. There's no no interesting hook that makes it stand apart from other racing games. I found myself wanting to play Mario Kart a lot because I was turning and I wouldn't do a fun drift with fire under my wheels and I'd go, well, <laughs> what's the point? Uh, so I played a couple hours of this just to, to get an impression and see if it had some unique hook, but it didn't really. It was freaky. This is just a story. It doesn't affect my opinion of the game. But um, I didn't know that this game knew your name. It can, like, see the name attached to your account. So during one of the opening cutscenes, they were like, and here's our legendary driver. And, like, I made this cute pretty girl, and she comes out. And then, like, Andrew. And I was just like, um, I didn't <laughs> tell you that. Oh, my God. That's so scary. <laughs> and it was very funny. And I'm like, I don't. What? I didn't say that. I didn't tell you my name was Andrew. Because, like, it reminded me of the Fallout 4 robot that says your name. Yeah. The difference forth. is that you have to type your name into that one. It doesn't just figure it out. Right. Um, and also it was spoken. It wasn't just written down. That's pretty spooky. Yeah, it was spooky. Speaking of spooks, another game I played, just a touch of, was Resident Evil 4, which is not a new game. However, the VR version is a new game. Uh, I've heard good things about this game, and I've been looking for a new VR, VR experience, so I figured this would be a good way to hop in, and wow, this game was remarkable from the start. It feels fantastic. There's a bunch of uh, really good mechanics that make this stand out from the standard version. It translates really well to VR. It is pretty intense if you're new to VR. I'm playing with the immersive mode, which means I have, like, active movement instead of teleporting. And I, I played an hour of it, and I I was like, I feel okay. But I reached the end of a chapter, and I was like, okay, I'll take a break. And then I sat down in my chair and thought I was going to throw up for, like, 40 minutes. Um, <laughs> but to be fair, I also don't have great VR legs. Most of the games I play are games where you don't physically move very much. So... I highly recommend looking into this if you have an Oculus Quest, but it, it just does so many interesting things, and just the fact that at the beginning of the game, I kept running out of bullets, and I was like, how do I reload? And I knew how, because it taught me, but I just forgot that I literally had to reach down and grab a clip out of my ammo pouch in real time on my leg, and then put it in my gun, and then reload. That was so much for my brain to comprehend at the start. But then once it clicked, it just felt so incredible. So much more fun than pressing like square while playing it on PlayStation to reload. Yeah. 
Um, if you've never experienced Resident Evil 4, this is a perfectly adequate way to start. You do not have to play the regular version first. The cutscenes are still told in third person. It basically just cuts to like a theater mode, the big screen, and you watch the cutscenes as they were originally. And then when it cuts to gameplay, you're in first person, obviously. But I thought this was a fantastic, fantastic adaptation of the game. I'm looking forward to playing all the way through it. It's probably going to be a very long time before you hear those impressions, though, because I got to play this game in baby sessions. Um, hopefully I'll get used to the VR, the intense movement elements, and can play this game a little quicker. But as it stands, it's probably going to take many sessions before I can finish it. The last few things I got on this list, I did finish. First one was a game called Forgotten City. I heard a lot about this game in the internet gaming sphere uh, because it originally was a Skyrim mod and it was so popular and well-received that the developers decided to form a studio and turn it into an actual full-fledged game. It is a story-driven game where you enter a an underground city in a time loop where any person committing one sin causes everybody to be killed instantly. So it is your job to solve the mystery of why everybody's there, what is causing this golden rule, as it's called, to be happening. And it's a really immersive story that does a really wonderful job of linking quests together. So at no point do you feel like you have nothing to do. I got a little locked up like twice maybe in my entire nine hour run and I also played it with my partner and it was a really good story to to like confer with somebody about to discuss ideas and stuff it's mostly straightforward but it does require a little bit of thinking if you enjoy the story uh of Skyrim like the way that the story is structured of Skyrim this feels like a hyper-polished version of that with very little of, like, the combat. It's mostly just story. So if that sounds even a little interesting, I recommend looking into it. It's on Game Pass. It is not remarkably long. It's a little ugly, but hey, very <laughs> small team. Um, it's hard to be upset at that. And this was probably, like, one of my surprise hits of the year because I had heard a lot about how, revo not revolutionary, but, like, innovative it was mechanically and how well written the story was but i got way more invested than i was prepared to be so if you like skyrim at all or the story structure of skyrim very very highly recommend looking into this one <sighs> deep breath I, got <laughs> I played so many games i'm out of breath because of it a uh, little break from the video games though i finished a netflix series arcane the League of Legends prequel television series. I think I talked a little bit about this, like a tiny, tiny bit when I tried it at first, right after it released. Um, but I didn't really get hooked. And I decided very recently before we got back into the podcast, hey, I'd give it another try, see if maybe I could finish it and talk about it on this episode. And it, it definitely hooked me. In the third episode, there's like some major revelations and twists that changed the series from kind of interesting to extremely engaging for me. Um, if you have some time, it's a pretty brief series. It's beautifully animated. By far, my favorite element was the visual design. The animation, the character design, the artistic direction is just 
out of this world. The character writing is really nice. Um, the definitive worst part about the series is that it made me interested in League of Legends. So be, <laughs> be prepared for that one. Uh, not interested enough to play. Don't worry, audience. I sensed some some shivering in the audience when I said that, but don't worry. They were shivering. Yeah. Kelly looked like she was going to throw up. Mm-hmm. But I, I will not play League of Legends. I played it once like eight years ago. And I'll never touch it again. But it did make me more interested in some of like the greater universe products. Like they have other games in the works and stuff. I'm very excited for the second season of this. Uh, if you're okay with a show like this, a violent animated show, I recommend it. It's definitely up there as one of my favorite video game adaptations to, to television. Very little competition <laughs> in that realm, but it's up there. Uh, it, it reminds me of Netflix's Castlevania a lot not visually they're very very starkly different but the way I got invested was very similar to that show um, just that it has very interesting characters and downtime but the action is incredible and you look forward to that at all points um, recommend it good show good adaptation of a video game that I don't want to play another game that I played was PlayStation 5 exclusive Returnal. I figured I'd like this one. I like roguelikes. I have liked Housemark's past games. Is it Housemark or House Marquee? I feel how's it spelled? Like House Marquee. But I hear people say Housemark. Yeah, I don't know. I've never even heard of the studio, so I don't know. They made Rezogun, which was one of like the earliest PlayStation 4 exclusives. Um, as well as Dead Nation, I believe. Um, they're mostly an arcade studio, so seeing them make this big third-person action game, even if it was arcadey in its nature, was a really big change. I loved it. I really liked how the, the combat felt. I liked dodging big balls, because every enemy shoots like hundreds and hundreds of giant glowing balls at you. You got a comment on that one? You're just going to lean into the mic for fun. No, no, no comment at all. Yeah. Anyway, it, oh, spheres. I'll say spheres instead. <laughs> Orbs. I think spheres is good. Or projectiles. That's probably what I should have said. <laughs> I feel like that's worse. Well, probably. But it reminds me <laughs> of their past games because they made like bullet hell action games where you had to dodge countless projectiles. And, you know, when you move to a third person action game, that's kind of hard to translate. But it really was similar to those games in a shocking number of ways. You move around really insanely. You're so fast. You can jump really far. You can dash in the air. So it feels very arcadey, even though the visuals are a lot more grounded. It has a lot of Lovecraftian horror. The story segments are way scarier than I expected because they go to first person and I got spooked by an, a guy in an astronaut suit several times. Uh, don't recommend that. I mean, I recommend the game, but be ready. It's spooky. Lots of tentacles. Lots of tentacles. Like Lots of balls and lots of tentacles. Um, Sounds like a good time for the game. Sounds like a good game to play. Sounds I feel like, like a I'm fun not allowed game. To, I feel like I have to start over and make sure I avoid the word balls. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but in all seriousness, this game was a really high, it was a highlight of the year for me. Um, this 
The story surprised me with how engaging it was. It was mostly in the background, and it was pretty straightforward, even though it was like weird and abstract, but at the same time, when they decide to give you story revelations, it's kind of like, oh, oh, now it makes sense. Um, And it wasn't quite as... I'm going to sound really arrogant right now, probably. It wasn't as hard as I thought it'd be. Like, everybody talked about how hard it was, and, like, I think the issue is not the difficulty, it's the length of runs. Because my other favorite roguelike from recent memory is Hades. And even a terribly long run in that game is, like, 30 minutes or so. If you get to the very end of the game and then lose, it's still, like, 30 minutes. But in this game, my longest run was, like, almost three hours long. So when you lose, it really stings. But I don't think it's particularly difficult. I think it's just you invest so much time that losing feels worse. You know, yeah. most of the bosses, I either, like, I beat a lot of the bosses first try, and the ones I did not, the most tries on a boss I ever had was three. So... I, I wouldn't say it's incredibly challenging, but do be ready for some intense time investment. Uh, highly recommend it, though. It Maybe wait for it to drop in price, because it's still retail price of $70, which is kind of insane to me. But that's a whole nother discussion. I got it on sale, but still, maybe wait for this game to drop to like half of its main retail price. My last game that I played over break was a game that I'm going to have to eat my words about quite a bit. I played It Takes Two. I don't think I would say I trashed on this game on the show, but I feel like I've expressed pretty direct disinterest, and that was wrong. So I'm sorry. This is my notes apology, my notes app apology. To Joseph? To Joseph Fares. I love you. I'm glad you apologized to him. Yeah, I'm mostly apologizing to the audience who I lied to about my opinion of this game. Not lied to, I just had the wrong opinion. You were uninformed. I was I was not informed. There were certain things I was that threw me off. At first, the cartoony character models with really realistic animation threw me. It just I didn't like it. But that's only in some cutscenes. Most of the time, they are cartoonishly animated, and I was ignorant to that fact. Um. This is a, a great game to play if you have like a partner or a good friend that you feel you can play it with who you won't get mad at. That's a big thing because <laughs> it can be a little frustrating if whoever you're playing with is struggling with their half of like a puzzle and you got your half down. So definitely be ready to work together and, and support each other. Um, but the story was really good. It was uh, a little crassly written in some parts. Some story elements were not handled very delicately, even though they're a very delicate subject matter. But in the end, I was very invested. I thought the voice acting was fantastic, and I loved the main two characters by the end. Um, and the gameplay really innovated a lot more than I expected. In essence, it's a pretty straightforward 3D platformer, but... There's so many different mechanics that get tossed in, and the way that you have to work with player two at all points feels fantastic. And some chapters, it feels like one of the characters has like a cooler power-up, and you might be a little jealous, but the next one, you're going to have a cooler power-up. And ultimately, you could just play it again after you're done, 
with the other character and it will be like a completely different game in a lot of ways. I highly recommend this one. Again, if you have somebody close to you that you think you would have a good time with, look into this one. It is worth getting a second controller if you want to play in the same room or playing online with anybody that you want to. I think if you buy this game traditionally, you get a code to give to somebody else so they can have a copy as well. So That's cool. I got it on Game Pass and played it locally, so I didn't have to go through that, so I don't exactly know what that process looks like, but this game really... It still wouldn't have won Game of the Year. I stand by my Metroid Dread decision, but it would have been very close in the running. Definitely a contender, as well as, honestly, every game that I finished that I mentioned, Halo Infinite, Forgotten City, Returnal, and It Takes Two, would all have been Game of the Year contenders, which is kind of crazy. <laughs> That's a lot of top quality games to be playing in a short spurt of time. Yeah. I... I'm out of breath and my mouth is dry. <laughs> Take over, Kelly. What did you play? Okay. So I played a few games that I have already played. Um, and I've already talked about my standards. Dragon Age. I played Cyberpunk. Uh, you know, typical Kelly behavior. Um, but I played two new games that I had been wanting to play for a while. I played uh, the first one I'll talk about. I played Tales of Arise, which is a Tales of game. Um, it's the newest one. It came out last year. Um, I am not super far into it. I think I'm like three or four hours in. But I have a few thoughts. I really like the main character. Um, I think he's kind of dreamy, even though you uh, don't really see his face. Um, he just has a dreamy personality, which <laughs> I kind of feel that way about a lot of Tales of protagonists. I felt that way about Yuri from Tales of Vesperia. They're just like nice guys, you know? Yeah. Um, and I like the the um, the design of the world is really pretty. It almost looks like painted, um, like drawn and painted over. Even like the characters' faces, like the details on their faces. Um, like the female protagonist, we'll call her. She The way her eyebrows are drawn on are really cool. It looks like someone like drew them on with a pencil and then painted them in with like watercolor. That's so cool. Yeah, it's a very beautiful game. Um, I am still trying to get a hang of the combat. I bought it on Steam, so I'm playing it on PC, not with controller. I think the game is not optimized for PC. I think the controls are a little bit wonky without a controller. Um, it just feels a little bit awkward to be like keyboard mashing. It would feel better if I was button mashing. And I don't know if that's just because I've played every other Tales of game on a console with a controller or what, but that's been sort of a hurdle for me. But the story's pretty interesting um, so far. Like I said, I'm only like three hours in. Um, my other qualm, I don't know if it's a qualm. It's a little bit confusing. They, the main character is wearing a mask yeah. for like the first few hours of the game. And it's like, you have this beautiful main character. He's got a beautiful face. He's a hunk. He's a nice guy. Why are you hiding him from me for this long? I can understand like the first hour, maybe even the first two hours. But once once you get maybe it's just based on how I'm playing it. I don't know. I don't think I'm playing particularly slow, but it's like, let me see his face. Please. This is the one from the cover, correct? Yes. So like, you know what his face looks like. So why are, why are you hiding from me still? <laughs> let me see it. Let me see it. Let me see it. Anyway, 
Um, that's all I really have got so far. I'm sure I'll have a more rounded idea of the game once I really get into it and have like the full party. Yeah. And because I feel like the Tales games really don't get super good until you unlock the full party or unlock most of the members of the party. The only game I don't feel that way about. I'm sorry. It's the gold standard is Tales of Vesperia. I feel like it's the best Tales of game. I love Yuri. I love Estelle. I feel like they're the best protagon- the d- best tales of protagonists, and they have the best chemistry. And I don't know if that's because it's Troy Baker or I don't know what's going on. Maybe that wasn't Troy Baker. I can't remember. Anyway, was, you're correct. That was Troy Baker. I, I had a feeling. I was like, I know it's somebody super popular, but I couldn't remember if it was Troy Baker or somebody else. So that's my. those are my initial impressions of Tales of Arise. And I'm like I said, I'm sure I'll have a more robust opinion, more well-rounded opinion as I play more. Right. Um, another game that I played, which I have sunk a lot more hours into, is Baldur's Gate 3. Um, I have never played any of the Baldur's Gate games. But I have seen a lot of like clips and stuff of this one, and I've gotten a lot of recommendations that if you like this game, well, you'll like Baldur's Gate. So it's this big role-playing game. It is not a full, like a fully fleshed-out game yet. And that is really important to emphasize. It is still in early access. You can only play through chapter one. So it is really, really bare bones at the minute in terms of like what they have developed. But what you can play does feel very meaty. It feels very good. They've done a lot of patches. They've done a lot of updates. Um, it's basically, it runs on like a D&D system. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're like rolling dice, all of the lore and the spells and the attacks it's all D stuff so if you play D, dungeons and dragons i should say um, if you play D, you probably have a pretty good idea of what certain things do what certain things are especially if you're a big lore head um, the main story is about like mind flayers and you your character it has the potential to turn into a mind flayer and you have to find a way to stop that Um, so it was very interesting to me. I've never really played a game like this before. The combat system is very, I don't know if it's unique to Larian Studios because they also have made the Divinity Original Sin games, um, which sort of have that like clicky, like League of Legends sort of movement in combat. But I thought that was going to be a big hurdle for me. It's not. It's actually really fun, and I enjoy finding ways to... It's very challenging, so I enjoy finding ways to sort of think outside the box and do different things and use different spells. Um, For anyone who's curious, I am a tiefling druid, so I I feel like the customization options and the role-playing options in this game are insane. So I'm playing a tiefling druid, right? There's this big story... Not big. It's like a, it's a part of the main story of chapter one is you, there's this druid, um, like not town, but settlement. I'm sorry. It's not a druid settlement. It's a tiefling (laughs) settlement, right? So they're the ones that are like, they have the horns. They almost look like little devils and the druids are worshiping something there. And there's this, there's contention between these two groups of people. I was a druid tiefling. So I was like on both sides of the conflict. There was so much that I could do and say to each group of people that just wasn't would not be available to me. There was even options for the fact that I was both a tiefling and a druid. 
which I felt like I, I love role playing games. So I felt like that was just, it was crazy to me. And there's so many different ways that you can solve problems. Um, for those unfamiliar in D and D when you're a druid, you can turn into animals and you can speak to other animals. So as a druid, if there were animals around, I could turn into like a cat and talk to a bird and it would have dialogue, voiced dialogue, and it would be talking to me about like nothing even. Like I talked to a bear once and he was like, um, I'm trying to sleep right now. You need to leave me alone. And it was a fully <laughs> voiced line and it was such, it was just such a throwaway moment. It's like so many people will never do this in any of their playthroughs. Yeah. So I just feel like it's really amazing and I can completely understand that it's taking a long time because it's such a meaty game it's like it's only in early access right now it's only in chapter one and i have put a lot of hours into it already how many is a um, lot am i allowed to ask kelly i have let me look at my steam profile hold on but like i said it is challenging it's kind of like it's a little bit hard so in the last week and a half, I've played 14 hours. Oh, jeez. Wow. Okay. Which you might like not, yeah, it might not seem like a lot. But... That's a lot for a week and a half. <laughs> yeah. And for a game think... that only has one chapter. Yeah. So I feel like it's, if you're into role-playing games, RPGs, you will really, really like this game. You don't even have to be a someone who plays D&D or is familiar with D&D to enjoy this game. Uh, the companions are really fun. They're all morally corrupt, um, even though they pretend like they're not. I don't trust <laughs> them. Uh, I do have a favorite companion. He's a vampire. Of course. Sorry, that was a huge spoiler. I guess it's not a huge spoiler because it is technically still chapter one. But um, And he also has fangs and two bite marks on his neck. So if you didn't put the pieces together, that's kind of on you. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. But um, I really enjoy it. The music is really good. It's a really pretty game. Um and I'm like addicted to the gameplay. So if you're really into RPGs, even if you think it would be too difficult, I really think you should try it. It is like a full 60 right now, which does seem like a lot for early access, but. Do you I mean, get access game... to the future stuff for free though? Yeah, and once the game is done, you, I mean, you've already got it, so. Yeah. And you've already got, well, it kind of depends. Um, Cause certain patches that they've done, you haven't really been able to carry over certain characters, but. Uh, other patches you can go from, you know, I, I'm playing as my tiefling druid. I can still play as my tiefling druid. I'll mm -hmm. probably restart anyway once the full game comes out, but. Yeah. Um, which, who knows when that's going to be. It might be next year. Tomorrow. For all I know. <sighs> I would cry. I would take <laughs> off work. Don't. I, don't, nobody heard that. Heard what? I never take off work. Ever. <laughs> take, I think you're allowed to take off. You know what? To never. do anything. Yeah. Not even. Other than be sick. Well, Kelly, anyway. we're back. We survived we back. the New Year's Day. You know, we we didn't succumb to the to the midnight. I don't know what I'm saying. We My, had... how did you have a New Year's Eve countdown? Did you do that? Uh, I was with uh one person. Oh yeah. So we just looked at my phone. I didn't even like I wasn't even paying attention. No. I was so tired. I came home and I like laid and then it was like twelve and I was like, Oh my gosh. Oops. Happy New Year. I literally just played It Takes Two with my partner and didn't really care that like we played and then 
and then midnight was approaching we're like we should probably stop so we like stopped and then midnight happened we're like wow that sounds really nice do you want to play more it takes two (laughs) (laughs) we're very as i get as i get older i find that spending new year's with like just one person is kind of more fun yeah this is very sentimental and sweet right now i know well i'm feeling a little bit sentimental as we as we usher in the new year yeah well, to us, it's been like a month since recording because we recorded both of our final episodes in one long sitting right after our last timely episode. Yeah. But for the audience, it's been only one week off. So to me, it feels like sentimental that we're back. But I'm like, I should remember that the last episode we released ended with us being sentimental about ending it. <laughs> and that wasn't that long ago for the audience. It was just long ago for us right it was it was a good break but also i'm glad to be back me too i this show is a wonderful creative outlet and i'm excited to get back into it and talk about relevant news again me too i've been just like talking to myself in the mirror about video game news yeah it's really horrific very scary (laughs) horrific yeah if anybody walked in and saw me they'd be like we got to get her out of here. Unless they listen to talking games, in which case they would just sit down and listen as though it was an episode. <laughs> yeah, they'd be like, oh my God, premium content. <laughs> I don't even need to subscribe to the Patreon for this. Yeah. We um, don't have a Patreon. Yet. Oh, thank you everybody who rated our show on Spotify. We now are officially a five-star show. So thank you, everybody. Thank you for making us a five-star show on Spotify. Thank you, guys. Well, everybody, we'll be back next week for another episode of Talking Games with Kelly and me. Bye.